You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. And by Dizzy Pig Barbecue, visit Dizzy Pig Barbecue, use coupon KIND15, that's K-E-I-M-15, for 15% off all orders shipped in the U.S. Today, another loss to dissect, this time a 31-17 defeat to the Baltimore Ravens. I talked to the voice of the Washington football team, Bram Weinstein, about the game. We clearly talk a lot about Dwayne Haskins, is this game even his fault, and what this game means for his future, and much more. I also share my observations on a lot of the hot topics from the game. You can also read my work on ESPN.com. I'll have a big story this week on Coach Ron Rivera, how his background has shaped him, made him a good fit for a chaotic situation, and how he's dealing with the cancer situation. Before I share my conversation with Bram, here are a few observations. I know Dwayne Haskins put up good numbers in the end. He was more efficient at times. It was a good bounce back game for him. That's all good. I also think the coaches have used him correctly in recent weeks. There are a lot of receiver screens and crossers. Listen, the Browns game, he was pretty good. They, they, moved, they were doing okay except for the turnovers. Those are the throws he made often at Ohio State, albeit with more success because there he was on the other end of the talent disparity. But it leads to a lot more yards after the catch for his targets. That's always good. It was better than last week for a simple reason. He didn't turn the ball over. But the question Washington must still ask is, was it good enough to eventually win with? Fans will look at the numbers. The co- That's fine. The coaches will dive inside the game and focus on situations. That fourth down play late in the game was bad. And that was Ron Rivera admitted going for it because he wanted to see how Haskins handled the situation. Rivera wasn't happy. Haskins didn't realize this when we t- when he talked to the media on the Zoom session because somebody asked him, did he know that was a test? And he even asked us, did he pass? Well, no, he did not. Haskins didn't force a pass, but in that situation, he can step up and extend the play or force a ball into the end zone. That's when you do need to force a ball. Now, I know you wonder how throwing those three picks messed with his head a little bit, or maybe that was in the back of his mind, and, and that's understandable. That's part of the growth process. Again, I don't mind seeing some of those situations because, yes, he didn't handle it correctly, but that's what young guys must go through, and that's why a coach put him through that situation. So the key is, can he come out in the next time in that spot and do a better job? I'll go back to Kirk Cousins when he was first here. There were a lot of times on third downs in the red zone, he would frustrate the hell out of the coaches because he would never extend plays, and he would check it down, and they kick a field goal, and they would tell him, if you can extend the play, you've got to extend the play. Don't be in a hurry to check it down. That's a last resort. If you take a sack there or if you throw it out of the back of the end zone, that's okay, but extend the play. He eventually got a little bit better with that, but the point is there are all things that young quarterbacks have to go through. But that was a time to cut it loose and give your team a chance. And no, if he had thrown a pick, I don't think you're sitting there saying, oh gosh, he threw another one. 
I think you're saying, hey, he did the, he made the throw he had to make. There was no, there wasn't a lot of people open, so you force a ball in that spot, and if it gets picked, it gets picked. This was also an, also an example of how Rivera is trying to develop and grow his team. It felt like another preseason type situation where he wanted to see how a player handled a situation, especially a player at the game's most important position. Realistically, they weren't going to win, but it was an opportunity to learn about the guy at, again, the most important spot. I'll be curious to hear how they viewed his decision-making when we start talking to the coaches Monday and then even Scott Turner later in the week. There were times it looked all right, and it's hard for us to know because we don't know what he's supposed to be doing. So we'll, let's set that, make that clear. There were times where he did avoid danger. There were some times I wish he had gone with maybe a different decision. He had a crosser, for example, to J.D. McKissick, matchup against a linebacker. That's what they wanted. He looked off that and threw it the other way to Logan Thomas. And that's one where you say, okay, you got to make this call here. But later on, he went back to McKissick on it, so that was good. I do wonder how the coaches will see this one. How much good versus how much bad? Was there enough growth to justify sticking for him for a while? Now, I say for a while because you can't take him out after that game. That's You, you can't. Um, but how long do they want? Because you know, like, once you start hearing whispers from certain places, you know that there's things being spread and said, and that's why you start to wonder what is going on or what do they seeing, what don't they, what aren't they seeing, and how long would they be willing to go with him? I don't know. I, I know someone there told me last week that he thought Haskins would get two more games, so that would have been today and then also the Rams game, to show growth, to show growth. Um, but I also know the alternatives aren't great. And the minute you move on from Haskins, you're saying he's done in Washington. That's how I view it. That's why I think you give him an extended time, really give people a chance to really see that does can he or can he not? He has a lot of people, I think they're rooting for him. He's an easy kid to like. He's worked at it. Um, it's just taking longer than coaches usually want. If they feel he's a lock to be good after the growing pains, then they'll stick with them for a long time. I still think the ideal situation for him out of college would have been to go to a team where he wouldn't have had to play for a couple years and he could really work on his game, all facets, all facets of his game. He is a guy who put in a lot of work in the offseason, but it's hard to just do that in one offseason. That's something that has to be a consistent thing for a number of years in the, in the areas that he was working on. He's always worked at it, but in the areas that he was working on, it takes time. But this is the spot he's in. I give him credit for what he did in the offseason, but he had such a long ways to go that he needs, again, more than one to get there. What I don't know is what they think he'll look like when he does get there. In the end, their opinion is all that matters. I also think after going against Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson in recent weeks, even Carson Wentz, and Baker Mayfield can make plays on the move too, the coaches see quarterbacks who kill teams with their legs. I'll just say this. Defensive-minded coaches hate facing those kind of quarterbacks and often want one for themselves. Haskins, despite getting in tip-top shape, he's not that kind of quarterback and never will be. So if he's going to win, he must be really good from the pocket. That's why it's so important he continues to keep building in that area. Again, this loss is not on Haskins. Don't take it that way. I'm talking a lot about him because he is so pivotal to this organization's growth and their, their future success. I like how much running back Antonio Gibson is starting to feel comfortable on the field. His versatility is evident as he can hurt teams in the slip screens, on crossing routes, or on runs up the middle. I love the patience he showed. I think it was an 18-yard screen because he had to pause after the catch, let his blockers get to their landmarks, then go. 
Had he gone too fast, that's maybe a few yard gain. But he showed patience, got a nice gain. Gibson is still learning, but he's growing and becoming a bit of a playmaker as, as he develops. He'll be a guy worth watching as the season goes along. He is developing pretty much how I thought he would. It was going to take time because of what he did in college, but he gets better every week. This goes without saying, but man, does Chase Young make a difference in a game and when he's not there. I don't know if he would have, they would have more success against Lamar Jackson, but having another athletic end on the field certainly might have prevented some of Jackson's ability to get wide and extend plays without much pressure on the outside. Just having another playmaker on that front would have been good, and I still like that D-line. Certainly this game isn't on them, but Washington needs to get better tackling the back, especially by the safeties. Everybody's picked on Troy Apke this year, not going to defend his play. Landon Collins' tackling hasn't been good either. I don't get a lot of comments on him, and I don't know why, but he's the one getting the big bucks. I've, all, I've liked his game, even where when, he's, when you see the flaws in coverage. He didn't struggle in this area last year, but he is right now. They need to get better. The entire secondary needs to get better. But I'm not going to overreact to this loss because Baltimore's just better. I thought Washington would be 1-3 at this point, so the fact that they are to me, isn't cause for concern. I, I, you look at, again, the offseason was not set up for Haskins, for the offense, to have the success that people would want right away. I've always pointed to the second half of the season as the key to their growth. Does Haskins build on this game? If so, how? I know fans don't always want to hear this, but those of you on Twitter, my goodness, I know you don't like hearing this, but it's true. They were not built to win now. That's why the focus is on, on Haskins' growth, and if he doesn't develop, they'll be looking for someone else at the position after the season. Not there yet. After the Rams game, Washington has a number of games it could win. The Giants twice in three games, Dallas, the Lions, the Bengals. If they struggle during this time, that's when the cause for concern goes way up. That's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with the voice of the Washington football team, Bram Weinstein. I used to love making all of my own spices. Now I love reaching for one of Dizzy Pig's craft seasonings. Based in Manassas, Virginia, they grind their spice combinations daily, and it's easy to see why they've built a loyal following over the past 20 years. Dizzy Pig owner Chris Capel has won 15 championships on the Pro Barbecue Tour using only their products. And I've heard from other pitmasters on the Barbecue Tour that insist on Dizzy Pig. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Just recently, I cooked a ribeye with their cow lick seasoning. Fantastic flavor. My wife really likes the mole and the Peruvian, and the popular dizzy dust is truly all-purpose. And if you're cooking turkey during the holidays, you have to use their Mad Max turkey rub. It's seasonal, so you can buy it now until January. With 27 different blends, there is a seasoning for just about any recipe or cooking technique. Get 15% off your online order shipped in the U.S. if you use the coupon KIM15, that's K-E-I-M-15 at DizzyPigBBQ.com. That's D-I-Z-Z-Y-P-I-G-B-B-Q.com. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Bram Weinstein. Well, I guess there's really one place to start here, Bram, and we got to go with Dwayne Haskins first. And I'm curious what your take on his game was. Did you see, the big word is growth lately, did you see it? Well, I saw a bounce back for sure. I mean, here's his first 300-plus yard game. He didn't throw an interception. He was sacked a couple times. I actually thought Baltimore did not bring nearly as much pressure as I thought they would. And I thought he responded relatively well. Like, you know, yeah, they lost. 
but I don't put it on him. I don't know where you are on that, but certainly the Cleveland game, you could look back and say, Haskins has to be a lot better than that, which started the week of, are they on his side? Is this a short leash? I don't know what it is. And, you know, certainly we're not asking that question today. I'm not. I thought he played pretty well. I thought he responded pretty well. The team wasn't good enough to win. And defensively, they gave up way too many big plays and big moments and big spots. And the fake punt hurt them as well. And so, you know, growth is a hard thing for me to judge. But I would say that he showed resilience and certainly handled himself very well today. And and I think the lack of turnovers was a big was a big key obviously and and because the question is it's not, it's really not even about Bram what you and I see it's really about what they see and how they gauge it because they're making the decision and we know that they want to see growth. I am curious how long do you think they would stick with him? And I think a game like this you go you, you know certainly you go you, you he's going to start next week, but beyond that that's when you have a slate of winnable games coming up. How long do you think that leash might be for him? So I thought initially, even with what happened this week, um, that they were going to go at least a few more, that they had been so committed to him from the jump, you know, not really bringing in serious competition for him, never giving anyone else reps with the ones. And I thought it would have been an interesting walk back if they automatically said after three games that he's no longer the starter or if things went really awry for him against Baltimore that he wouldn't either. I thought he was going to have to have a game like against Cleveland to really be, you know, questioning this again. Um, so I feel like, you know, it's hard to tell because messaging was so unclear to me during the week that this time last week, Sunday night, there was unquestioned support for him. It was, yes, he has to play better. By Monday, there was a crack in that. And by Friday, there's reporting from multiple sources saying it, it could happen at any time. So I'm kind of back to... He's going to start next week, and then we'll see what happens with the Rams, who come in with a very good defense as well. And if he has another really poor outing, then I guess we talk about it against the Giants. But my sense is that they want to give him a full opportunity, and that's not a quarter of the season or a third of the season. And so my sense is it will continue for a few more weeks, regardless of the outcomes. But it's hard to tell. Because, and I think, and you know this better than I do, because you're out there every single day, we don't have the same access that we do to the coaches to really know how they feel about this. And so my sense is, I don't know. Um, I do know that they want better play from the quarterback. I think they got it today. Like, again, I don't think this outcome was really on him. And I think anyone who watched it and thinks that it was, I think you're looking for something wrong now instead of something right. Well, I do think with, with Haskins and I will, I'll be honest. Cause I, I think there's a lot, I don't pin this loss on him certainly because they're, they weren't going to, they weren't equipped to beat a team. Like they're not equipped to beat a team like Baltimore. I definitely think there's some areas that you have to say, this concerns me and the inability, you know, he's got to get better in the pocket. But again, that's where you say, okay, we know that we knew that going into the year. So, you know, and that my guess that, you know, I thought I just went into this year thinking they're going to give him the whole year. The problem, the other problem here too is, Bram, I don't think they have a real alternative behind them. I mean, Kyle, you can put Kyle Allen in. I don't know that things are going to be a lot different. And you know that Kyle Allen is not your guy for the future. That's the other, that's the other issue here. Dwayne Haskins, you know, they need to find out all that they have in him. I agree. I mean, I think, you know, listen, they had every opportunity in the offseason. It was an unprecedented year to go after veteran quarterbacks. 
Um, one that Ron Rivera knew really well in Cam Newton and others that he may not have known that well, but people like Jameis Winston were available too. And he played against him, you know, eight times, whatever the number was when they were in the same division. Philip Rivers was available. I don't think they had a shot at Tom Brady, but Brady was available. Nick Foles was available. They didn't go after any of them, not seriously at all. So I think they made a very active decision early that this was going to be Dwayne Haskins' year. And that's why I kept feeling like even with all the talk and even with his play here early, that I don't think they could really reasonably walk back the commitment to him short of seeing something that they didn't like in terms of preparation. Um, and in that, in that case, I would have to lean on the coaches. Do they not like what they're seeing in practice, which we're not getting the full picture of? not having the access that we used to have based on all the COVID restrictions with the ability to talk to them. So we're all kind of sitting here going, I'm not sure. I do know that he has to be better. And I thought he was like significantly better today. It was clearly wasn't enough, but when Lamar Jackson's running 50 yard touchdowns or running to his left and throwing back to the end zone and a fake punt gets you, it's really hard to then point to Dwayne Haskins and say, well, if they change that, that that's going to be an answer. That doesn't feel like the answer to me this week, but we'll see against the Rams next week when they get another test. And, you know, I think that's, again, because this season is so much about development and growth, that's why I think there's such a heavy focus on Dwayne, but it does kind of overshadow the fact that, like you said, the defense gives up those big plays. And one of the things that's concerned me is that, that the play in the secondary, they're giving up, there's there are guys open every week. The tackling by the safeties has not been good. I mean, I haven't, I know what you guys are seeing in the booth, but like Landon Collins has not been the same player this year that he was even a year ago against the run. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think the safeties had a lot left to be desired today. Um, you know, look, Baltimore, this is crazy, but they had the 32nd ranked offense on passing coming into this game. And they were able to move the ball, throwing it. And even with a lead in the second half, they did two things today that I thought were really surprising. You know, the script for them is they get a lead and then they, they turn into Nebraska from the 90s and they're running option offense. And they run it down your throat and they kill the clock. And if they score again, you're done, done. And then they dial up all these very, like, diverse pressures and you have to figure out who's coming and who's not. They didn't do either one of those things today. They came out throwing in the third quarter and were able to move the ball. And they rushed for a lot against Dwayne Haskins. It was semi-surprising. Baltimore got away from the tendencies that they show and still were extremely effective on both sides of the ball. That's very concerning. You know, that's very concerning. And I'm with you. The secondary is very culpable today for what occurred. Absolutely, absolutely. That's why I say when I focus on Haskins' growth, I don't pin the loss on him. And I certainly, you know, even for me, like I can say I need to see I, – I need. They don't need to see – I don't need to see anything – You'd like to see some better play in certain areas. It doesn't mean that you say he should be benched. There's a difference between the two, and I needed to, I want to distinguish that. Also, with Ron Rivera, when you see him, I don't know how much you saw him, whether pictures or from the camera or whatever, you know, you start to wonder with him, like, is he going to need to step away even for a week or two? Because, like, yeah. this last week took a toll out. I mean, I give him credit for being out there. But I wonder what the, the toll that's taking on him, Do, you know, I mean, that's, yeah, it can't be easy. No, it can't be. And like, he missed some time this week. I think he knew that was going to be the case. I don't think it's going to get any better in the short term. Only he really knows how his body is reacting to all the treatments. There were times he was sitting on the bench. So clearly he is fatigued and he can tell us how he truly feels. And my guess is he's not going to walk away uh, unless he medically has to. 
Um, so that's my expectation there. The one other thing on Haskins that I would say, his body language late wasn't great. When the score was pretty much out of reach and the team, you know, had made a couple of plays. And, and there's one, you know, I think that I think you could point to and say when they decided to go for a fourth and goal from the 13 and he doesn't even throw it into the end zone. You do question some decision making there towards the end of the first half when the clock is running and they have a timeout and the coaches have to run out and make sure that the timeout is called so they can even get the field goal off. There's a little bit of decision making in those moments where you go, OK, he could have done a lot better there. And I think he's going to see that. But I'm with you on Rivera. Again, it's hard to know. All we're going off of is very limited information about how his body is really feeling. But for the first time, it was pretty obvious that he was fatigued today. And we'll see what happens this week. I think another positive for people who are looking for positives, Antonio Gibson. He just, he seems to get better and better each week and more comfortable in that position each week. Do you feel like they found something there with him? Yes. I think they have two playmakers now. They've got Gibson and McLaurin. And McLaurin, who obviously was a question mark to play today, was outstanding again. I mean, I couldn't believe this when I saw this stat heading into the week, but McLaurin had more yards after the catch than any other receiver in the NFL. So he's getting better and better. And he's played through his first like real injury. We don't know how severe it was, but it was severe enough that had him in question. And Gibson, yes, he's gotten better. Like people forget he was not a running back in college. Maybe 10% of the plays he was running the ball. He, he carried it 33 times in his college career. He's close to that in four games here. So they're asking him to play a different position at a different level on a team that doesn't have a lot of playmakers. And yeah, I think there's, there's reasons to be very positive about him. He has become a person that they can count on to make more plays. Um, the guy that I'm a bit surprised they have not been able to find more space for is McKissick. He obviously had the bad turnover today. And I know like when we came into this, I think we both thought, they're going to throw a lot to the running backs out of the backfield. Sometimes in the two running back sets, they've kind of gotten away from a lot of that. Gibson has seemingly found his role, is getting better, improving as things have gone along. I don't think McKissick has found his role yet. And that's something that I think may develop over time as well. Oh, no, I, I agree with that. I thought he was going to be a bigger part of the pass game um, as well. And I, But I do like what I've seen from Gibson. Very versatile. I talked about him earlier, so I don't need to go in more on him. They're one in three. I don't know what people were expecting. I think they probably wanted to see steady progress. Are they about where you thought they'd be or are they, where are they at in your eyes? I hope two and two at this point, you know, I, I think you, you look at Baltimore, even just coming into the season, you go, that's going to be a tough one. You know, that like D'Angelo, I thought put it really, really well. Like that's a finished product. Like I know what everyone saw on Monday night, Kansas city might just be that much better than everybody else. They might be the number two still in the AFC. Like, in the same way, like after the opener, I went, my, my feelings about this team moving forward is not really is unchanged off of that comeback. And when I watched Baltimore against Kansas City, my feelings unchanged about them, too, even in the way they lost to Kansas City. Like when Mahomes is like that, it's the Golden State Warriors of a few years ago. They're just kind of that much better than everybody else when he's that on. And I think you saw it from Baltimore. I don't think we saw the best of what Baltimore can be. In fact, some of the things that they typically do. They didn't even show today, and they still won running away. So that's how good I think that they are. And Washington is by far not a finished product. In fact, they're in the beginning stages of a lot of this. I mean, really this week, look, the strength of this team has to be their defense. There's just no question about it. And today their defense let them down on big moments. And if that's going to be the case, then they're asking way too much of the offense 
to keep them in games and potentially win games for them. So they're going to have to be better. The good news is, and I haven't seen the end of the Rams game yet, look, the Giants showed that you can slow them down. So maybe they're catching an offense that is not as hot as a Cleveland, an Arizona, or a Baltimore, and they'll have a chance here this weekend to maybe show their prowess a little bit, give Haskins a chance, and maybe get back to where they're back on a winning track. But one and three, I would have said if they were two and two after four games, I would have felt pretty good about it. They're one and three. I'm not shocked that that's what their record is. So again, I think all of us need to remind ourselves we had tempered expectations coming into this thing. Like, I don't think anyone expected them to go 10 and six this year. They're one and three off of what's turned out to be a pretty hard schedule. Like, look what Cleveland did in Dallas today. So, you know, it's not, that was not a cakewalk game. It didn't turn out to be that way. Arizona is a difficult team to defend. So one in three to me is not a massive disappointment. And I mean, I hate even saying this, but go look at the division and they're still in this, like because of what else is happening in their division. So I hope that they kind of lean on that, stay locked in, stay engaged and realize that there's a lot of games to be played ahead of them and they can turn this into something that is a positive. And, and I think that's the thing. That's why I think certain decisions being made moving forward how do that, you know, whether with Dwayne or whomever, because really, listen, if you want to make any change to, to jump back in this race, that's the only spot you can do it. But again, I just don't see, I don't see an alternative that's going to take you somewhere that you're going to, that you want to go. So, but I, I, I agree, Bram. I think the thing that people need to remember, and I've said this before, and I said it earlier that this is to me, the second half of the season is where you really have to start focusing on what can this team become? And I think that's the thing. I would like to see more on the defensive end. I think that's that's a disappointment. So, you know, I guess this is a kind of a pivotal time, not so much the Rams game, but after that, because you got the Giants, you got the Cowboys, you got the Lions and the Bengals, and that's where you want to see progress. And that's Well, you're going to see a lot of teams with the same record that they have. And then right. at that point, whether, whether it's a disappointment because Dallas's record is what it is, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's where they are. So are they going to become more competitive and stay in this? I mean, they've been resilient. I'll give them that. They have really been resilient. But I think you and I both know how this goes. If it feels semi-hopeless, what's it going to look like in the second half of the season? And largely, Ron Rivera's team, they do start slow often. If you look back, you know, in history in Carolina, so maybe there is a ramp up. And hopefully that's the case. But I'm with you. Like, I look at them and I go, what do you want them to turn to? There's not a bunch of receivers sitting on the bench. They're going to change things for them. Gibson's hopefully going to grow into the role. Looks like he's heading that way. They don't have a bunch of young offensive linemen that they could, you know, potentially be a dominant force at some point. There's no, there's no substitutions here for what they have. They just have to get better with what's on the roster. Right. And and as, last thing, Bram too, growing pains aren't easy. A growth process is not easy and with because of the you know with the quarterback but it's not just the quarterback it's the quarterback it's the running back it's the receivers they're all young and that process can be very frustrating for people to watch and i don't blame like this fan base you know this fan base they've been through a lot so asking them to be patient again is asking an awful lot but i believe that is required so i mean of, of and course I, and of course it is of course it is i mean Ron Rivera has openly said this is a year of growth. After the first week, he said, give us a year for the offense. You know, I was a bit surprised to hear the whispers that kind of came out of there that they were as frustrated as they were with how the offense was functioning. When just a couple weeks ago, they were saying, you know, it is going to take some time and we are going to need some time. 
So I think that they, they themselves need to remind themselves that, oh, yeah, by the way, this is a year of growth. And if we win along the way, that's great. But that wasn't our internal expectation, at least initially. This whole year, and I think you know this one, is the defense needs to show that they can be the thing that this franchise hangs its hat on. And they need to be a little bit better, frankly, after the last couple of weeks and specifically this week. And then it's Dwayne Haskins. Is he going to be their guy? And that's part of why, like, I I never felt like benching him even after the Cleveland game was the right thing to do because have you really given it a full look if that's what you're doing? Because you are turning to someone that you don't think is going to be the future of your franchise. So we got to take some lumps here. And hopefully the games are a little closer and hopefully they get a win here or there and they start to feel good about themselves again. But I'm with you. I, I I don't really think there's anywhere to turn other than inward and say we collectively have to get better. How do we go about doing it? That's that's what that's what we're going to sit here and measure over the next however many weeks. Bram, thanks a lot. And people can listen to you on ESPN 6:30 every late afternoon. There you go. Thanks, John. Thanks, Bram. You've heard me talking about Lone Oak Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lone Oak Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, LoneOakCoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right, put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E. OAKCoffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Bram for joining me, and thanks to all of you for listening. And thanks to our sponsors, Lono Coffee and Dizzy Pig Barbecue. I'll have another podcast out Wednesday taking a look at the Rams and some fantasy football talk as it relates to this game and more. Talk to you then.